My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It's time for today's travel and cruise industry news. With the latest from travel and cruises around the world, here's your host, Chili Falls. Hey, good morning and welcome to the travel and cruise industry news podcast. On this, uh, the second day of October, 2023, how about we killed another month already into October? My goodness. We do have a special guest this morning, which... I will introduce here in just a second. We do have some news headlines uh, and some brief stories that I'll get to eventually today. Uh, Just to run over the headlines real quick for you. Tropical Storm Felipe reaches the northern Leeward Islands today. We had two ships delayed due to New York City flooding a new cruise terminal in Reykjavik. Italy Coast Guard rescues 177. Reykjavik Shore Power is now open. Two stories from Reykjavik. How about that? New itinerary for Liberty of the Seas this weekend. The Diamond Lounge changes names. Enchanted Princess delayed in Barcelona. And Holland America and Starlink and lots more here live at 11 o'clock this morning. If you're listening via the podcast, you're always welcome here. You can access the podcast via my blog, which is accessadventure.net or wherever you get your podcast from. All the big guys, uh, tune in Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, any of them. Just search for travel and cruise industry news, and up pops the fat travel guy. If you are listening to the podcast and ever want to jump over to the video feed so you can see uh, pictures or clips that I might be using in that day's show or sometimes interviews that uh, are live and you want to check that out, you can always go to the description of the podcast and there'll be a link there so you can do just that. All right, about... 
I want to say three weeks ago or so, my guest today posted a, I thought, a very poignant piece on Facebook. So posting on Facebook. And I thought about it and thought, I said, wow, that would make a powerful interview for the show. So I contacted her back. She's been here before. And she said, yeah, be happy to. So we went on and set it up for today. So my guest today, um, well, she's a professional speaker. She's delivered hundreds of speeches to civilian and military audiences on everything from disability law, disability awareness, accessible travel, industry prevention. She also volunteers as an active disability rights advocate, serving in many roles that improve the lives of individuals with disabilities, including service as a peer mentor for individuals with newly acquired disabilities, past leadership in the 82nd Airborne Division's Wounded Warriors Committee. She currently serves as vice chair of the board of directors of Merrill, a center for independent living in her area. Uh, she also holds an ADA coordinator certification and is certified as an Army Master Resilience Trainer. She's got a master's degree in disability studies, as well as a master's degree in psychology. She's an avid traveler and wheelchair user, by the way, also often a solo traveler. She recently visited her 50th country, completing a 50 by 50 goal, which I think that's awesome. I did 50 states by my 75th birthday, so I did 50 by 75, but nine countries. Uh, she's stationed at Fort Leavenworth. Her husband is recently retired uh, Army officer, currently building a home in Kansas City area where she will reside with two rescue dogs, Niles and Frazier. Welcome back to Traveling Cruise Industry News Podcast to Kelly Narowski. How you doing, Kelly? Hi, thank you so much for that great introduction. Um, I'm doing good. I'm excited about today. We, I'll be talking about things that I have never spoken about publicly, um, but I'm ready. And um, I was kind of thinking when you asked, okay, what does this have to do with travel? Um, and you mentioned that your listeners knew that you were very interested in mental health issues. Um, but also, if um, I may take a moment to tie travel into this a little bit. Um. So I took a solo trip to Chile. Um, it was my sixth continent, right? I had to get that in, um, in November. So almost a year ago. Um, and what I found is that international travel often creates a space for a person to become, be their most authentic self, um, especially solo, because you have nobody to talk to, but locals, right? And other, other travelers. I was, it ended up being a group trip. I met a group down there. And I completely opened up to people I did not know, strangers. And what happened is it kind of set this path for me. Um, it was like I shared things 
actually that I'm going to share today with a couple of people and they still liked me. They didn't judge me. They were, so it put, it put me in a place where, I mean, I don't think if I'd went on that trip, um, I wouldn't have the courage to talk about this now. So um, international travel, a travel anyway, is special, but that trip was um, our, uh, life-changing. So I just want to put a little travel piece in there. Well, I mean, this audience knows also that I'm a solo traveler. Mm-hmm. I have disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in a chair, not mm-hmm. full-time. I can still walk eight to 10 steps, but I have to have this going, a little oxygen to do that. Mm-hmm. So I am in a and now I can do fine sitting still. But if I tried to get up and walk across the room, I couldn't make it without my oxygen. So they know I have several disabilities. Uh, as a result of that, uh, I'm in a chair, especially on cruises, virtually full time. Although sometimes if I'm lucky, I can get myself into a swimming pool, but that's about it. Um, and of course, I can't sometimes do tenders. But yeah, I mean, that's just part of who I am and what I am and why I love to have other folks in the disability sphere, especially those that are advocates uh, on this program. Now, one of the things you mentioned both in your post and alluded to it in your brief statements there that you had recently some mental health issues that caused you some problems. Mm-hmm. You want to go back, maybe go back. And I, I didn't want to say this before because I wasn't sure how you uh, handled it. I know you just passed 25 years in the chair. Yeah. I didn't know if you called that an anniversary or not. Kind of. I haven't been in a chair long enough to decide if it's an anniversary or what. But um, 25 years, maybe take us back briefly to 25 years ago and bring us up to the last year with the issues that you found. Okay. So should I talk about my mental health condition or you want me to talk about my journey since I became a wheelchair user? Cause they're, they're kind of related, but not completely because I've got two disabilities. So it's two conversations, honestly, which I can do my best to kind of intertwine both. But uh, how about a, how about a, a quickie on the disability number one, and then we'll talk about the mental health issues. Okay. Okay. So um, you mentioned 25 years on the chair. I'll add a little bit to that. I just turned 50 and I was injured at 25. So it was 25 and 25. Right. And I thought that's going to be some kind of milestone. That ended up not being a real big deal. I was at a conference that day and you know, whatever Um, life is life. It is what it is. I'm, I'm adjusted, but when the injury occurred, I sustained a spinal cord injury in a serious car crash 25 years ago. When it occurred, 
because of my mental health condition, um, it was amplified, you know, emotionally and mentally. It's hard on anybody. Um, sometimes it's very, very hard. I mean, it's it's such a big life changing event. But I've met so many people that did so much better that with it than I did. I had a lot of trouble, and honestly, I didn't want to live. I really didn't. And um, it was so bad that I had to go and stay um, on a psychiatric floor of a hospital for a month, about nine months or so after my injury occurred. Um, so the first year and a half was a living hell for me. Um, again, a lot of it has to do with my brain chemistry, even though it's tough on anybody, that adjustment. Um, but eventually, you know, I was laying in bed feeling sorry for myself. And I, I was like, I'm not going to die. You know, I've gotten healthy, pretty healthy again. So I have to get on with it. I can't just lay here and watch the Jefferson's marathon, you know, the, all day. And so, <laughs> cause time would just drag out. So um, I made decision and I got independent. I got a new boyfriend, like a better boyfriend. I got um, an apartment. I started driving again. I got a job as a travel agent I had just gotten my bachelor's degree about four months before the injury in health and exercise science. I was like, what am I going to do with this? Health and exercise science, you know, new par paraplegic, paralyzed from the chest down for life. Um, but but I just decided, okay, I'll go try to be a travel agent. And that's what I did for nine years. But yeah, it's been a long road. I mean, I don't know how much you want me to dive into 25 years, but I had obviously adjusted uh, eventually. Right. All right. This past year, mm -hmm. while you've dealt with pain, mm -hmm. at times over the 25 years, this past year, it seemed to be kind of an apex of the mental health side of things. So now let's go back 25 years and talk about that part of Kelly. Okay. Um, I need to go back just a little bit further for context okay. so that people understand. Um, so I figure I have bipolar disorder and it really started, um, when I think back to symptoms when I was about 13 and I had a lot of problems in high school with energy, with sleep, with behavior. Uh, my parents just thought I was an out of control teenager. They had no idea that I had a neurobiological condition. Um, and so, you know, suicidal ideations, very severe depression, um, just, you know, lots of trouble with energy levels. They, they knew something was wrong. And it was a struggle from age 13 to 2004. So um, what, age 31? Yeah, a big struggle um, throughout my life. And then um, when I was 31, and this is a big part of the reason I'm doing this interview today, I finally accepted the diagnosis because I kept going, no, 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 you don't know that I have bipolar. I would tell them, you can't see, you know, in my brain, you're just judging me. And plus you don't want to get rid of the highs, the, you know, the mania, the hypomania, those highs, euphoria. Um, you don't want to change your personality. That's, that is so common. But a little white pill that I started taking in 2004 completely changed my life. 
completely changed my life. Like I just, there wasn't the crying, there wasn't the depression, there was no suicidal ideations. Um, I've told my husband before, <clears throat> you, you couldn't, I wouldn't be married. Like I, I wouldn't be married to a great guy. He wouldn't be able to handle me before. Um, but you know, I, life just got a lot easier, more functional and everything's changed. And I basically live like somebody that doesn't ha almost that doesn't have uh, bipolar disorder. So I want your listeners, anybody that's struggling with this, that will not seek help, take medication, go see a therapist or whatever they need to do because they're in denial or the stigma, the societal and internalized stigma research, all kinds of research shows that people because of the stigma won't reach out, but it's completely life-changing. It's probably changed my life between 15 and 20% of people with bipolar disorder uh, do end up committing suicide and up to 50% um, do attempt and not, and you know, they, they don't succeed thankfully, but um, and I'm kind of all over the place, but to be honest, um, my psychiatric disability directly led to my physical disability. Right. Um, I, I believe I wouldn't be paralyzed. It's part of that mania, that hypomania, that, uh, reckless behavior, reckless behaviors. Uh, when I'm talking, I'm talking about, uh, now I wasn't gambling or doing some of these things, but these are the common symptoms or things like gambling, excessive spending, um, promiscuity. For me, it was reckless driving, um, and I did not take the job of driving seriously, made several mistakes, um, as I always did, refused to wear my seatbelt, um, distracted driving, all that. It directly led to my crash, which paralyzed me. Right. So had I had that little white pill, had I not refused to take it, you know, get medicated years before, who knows? I might not have had the spinal cord injury. My guess is that I wouldn't have, that things would have looked differently based on my mindset that day. Cause I do remember my mindset the day I crashed that Jeep. So I think that's also relevant to think about your safety, you know, is involved when, when you refuse to get help, to take medication, to see a therapist and do cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever, or see a psychiatrist. You know. And I would think again, some of the, folks that may be in the audience today or listening to this on replay or whatever. Not only that behavior on your own, but what about the behavior of someone in a similar situation that has children, whether they're male or female, that have other folks to take care of and still have that similar ups and downs that you go through with the bipolar situation? Obviously this creates um, relationship problems yeah. and the children are drastically affected. Um, you know, and I hear stories about people that, you know, they grew up with a parent with either major depressive disorder or schizophrenia or bipolar disorder one of the, you know, more severe psychiatric disabilities. Um, and it does affect them because they're, you know, neglected. 
um, often if, if the condition is untreated, not successfully treated. And, you know, we're talking about lifelong, lifelong consequences for the children that probably often need to go into therapy themselves. So um, my biological mother gave me up at birth um, and she has bipolar disorder. So that might've had something to do with it. It's, that's an interesting question is I was, was thinking, is it genetic or could oh, yeah. it be genetic? Oh yes. They're, they know there's a neurological, the factors are neurological, genetic, and environmental. So um, like stress can make it so much worse. Like my mania in college, um, it was, I'm convinced it was stressed and do so much going on. It was, it was a very, very stressful time. And I think that induced mania that, um, it was, it was awful. It changed my life. I had to go to the hospital twice for short periods of time. It's, I don't know how in the world I graduated from college. Um, I went through in college, a couple psychotic episodes. And when I say, I mean, mania with psychotic features, so um, I don't know if you want me to share this stuff that's really embarrassing. I don't mind. <laughs> so um, where it's an open book for Kelly, you can share I mean, it's, it's not anything even... you want. Okay. So I hid this for decades and after decades after all this happened, except obviously a few people knew people in my hometown. And um, so in college, I had gotten, like I said, psychotic. And I was sitting at a bar with my aunt and uncle and um, I had it in my head that I was supposed to go sing on the radio. And so I, for some reason, took my shoes off and barefoot ran down the street to go sing on the radio. And we're talking a couple miles away, but I only made it like halfway. And then my dad like found out that I was running barefoot down the street. My aunt was mortified and told, you know, told him and they came and got me. Um, I also, in the middle of class, my senior year in college, felt like I was supposed to get up and teach the class. So I got up in the middle of class and went to the chalkboard and started writing on the chalkboard, teaching the class. So they had to call the campus security. And what's interesting is, I love that you're laughing because it is funny now. Um, so the teacher, you know, who I had the teacher in other classes, and it was a caring teacher. Like I knew he cared. He knew I was sick, right? Knew I was sick. And the other students even um, were caring. After all this happened, they felt bad. They had been told by their parents, like, this is like epilepsy, diabetes. She can't help it, you know, because, um, you know, the stigma, right? And then I had to be picked up by campus security and they were cool. There was no handcuffs or anything, but I had to go to the hospital. I remember being at the gas station and thinking everybody was leaving because I was there because they didn't like me. The cars were pulling out. Um, those are just a few of the examples. I remember my mail showing up and an um, envelope was ripped. So I thought my mom worked for the post office. She was a postmaster. And I called her. I'm like, are you part of this conspiracy? Like, I thought she tried to get in my mail or something. I mean, it was just, um, and the songs on the radio, I thought they were aimed at me. And this luckily did not go on more than you know, pretty relatively short period of time. And I haven't had mania with psychotic episodes since then, thankfully. But if I didn't have the little white pill every morning for 19 years, who knows? Right? Yeah. 
how did you finally get to the little white pill? Was there an episode again that got you into a doctor's office or treatment or did you seek that out yourself or how did that happen? You know, now that I think back, I didn't have to go into therapy over not walking anymore. I didn't have to go into therapy because of the adjustment of disability. I had to go into therapy because strangers were always asking me if I needed help. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm feisty. It's called the challenger. Um, and so the last thing, um, a number eight wants to be seen as is dependent. Well, that didn't work with my new condition. And so when people come up and ask me if I need help, I, I actually get irritated. It happened all the time. Um, so my personality type, you know, people with disabilities are all different, just like people without disabilities are all different. And I just had a hard time with that. So I went to therapy and I went a really, really good therapist. And she helped me with some self-esteem issues. I, I apparently had some self-esteem issues I didn't know about, which had probably some to, something to do with the internalized stigma of the bipolar and the shame. And um, the mood swings and everything, she just encouraged me to go to a really good psychiatrist in Kansas City. And he say, I mean, he, I'll never forget him. He doesn't practice anymore. But there was a new drug called Lamictal at the time that he wanted to try. About 1% of the population gets some kind of terrible rash. So we tried started with a really small dose, but um, found out I didn't have trouble with the rash. And so I started that, been on the same dose for 19 years. And um, that's what led me to the white pill is that therapist kind of knew I needed, needed some pharmaceutical help too. Yeah. Do you have, one of the things that people that I've talked to, not specifically about that, but one of the things they complain about is the feeling they get from the little white pills or something like that. Does it affect you at all? Okay. So you have to, the, the key is to find the little white, and you may need more than one pill. I mean, it depends on the person. Everybody's brain chemistry is different, but um, I'm lucky that I got the, this one was, was great. It was perfect for me. Just stabilize my moods. I wasn't crying all the time and I wasn't depressed and laying in the bed and, you know, just it, things are a million times easier. And that reminds me of back during the psychotic episode I told you about, I kept, I kept having to go to the hospital. They kept giving me things. Uh, one of the things um, they gave me made me gain 50 pounds. So I, I got off that puppy and I know this is totally politically incorrect and I never call anybody else crazy, but I'll call myself crazy. But I was, I would say I, you know, I just was a young vain girl and I, you know, was not, I would rather be crazy, you know, at the time than overweight. I, I feel differently about it now. Than but, fat like me. I don't like no, no, that's not what I was thinking. But back then, you know, young vain girl, like the male attention, you know, and societal standards at the time of beauty, whatever. I, I kind of changed my views on all that. I'd rather be a little bit overweight than have mental health issues. But anyway, um, some of the some of the drugs don't aren't good. Um, another one that they tried actually is kind of an antidepressant induced mania. 
So that's no good. So it takes sometimes it takes a few um, tries as far as medication. So I've been relatively lucky in my health career in that I've not had problems with any of the meds that I've been given, even when, I mean, yeah, there was problems with the chemo, but uh, the second time around with the pill form of chemo, yeah, I have a few minor side effects, but nothing major. And then you, all the other stuff that I have to take, yeah, it's just, it's been fine all along. So I'm lucky that way. Mm -hmm. okay. All right. Somebody that's been through any number of, in their lives, traumatic events. I mean, clearly in my life, going through cancer and then on top of that, having the respiratory collapse that was brought on partially by the uh, chemo, partially by 60 years of smoke or 56 years of smoking, which was stupid. And partially by the fact that I ended up with prostate cancer in my lungs, not lung cancer, prostate cancer in my lungs. So that all summed up, brought me into several bouts of depression. Thankfully, they didn't last. What's the red light going off in your brain that will tell you, oh, maybe I better sit down and see somebody. Okay. So you just reminded me of something. October, which we just got into, is Depression Awareness Month is a segue into this conversation. So there's major depressive disorder. And then there's milder depression. It does exist on a spectrum. However, depression is the leading cause of disability in the age group between 15 and 44 in the United States. Um, one in four um, Americans will go through some sort of mental, um, have some sort of mental health disorder or challenge throughout their life, right? And I'd argue that the leading one is depression. Anxiety is probably second. So I'm not saying that everybody's going to, one in four is going to have schizophrenia or bipolar. or And then you've got the real common ones, ADHD and PTSD and OCD, not quite as common, but one in four, right? So the red light um, is, some people have what's called functional depression. They can still go to work and all that, but it's forced and they just feel nothing and they don't enjoy the things they did. And it's still challenging, even though it's the milder version where, you know, you're not just stuck in the bed, not able to brush your teeth. But I, I'd say when you're not enjoying anything and not feeling anything or feeling just hopeless and worthless, having those types of feelings, uh, not wanting to get out of the bed and having either eating too much or eating too little, um, having sleep problems, those types of things, that's when you'd want to reach out for some help. And it may just involve therapy. 
or therapy in an antidepressant. I don't like to push pharmaceuticals. Um, there's different things people can, there's so many things out there. Acceptance commitment therapy really has helped me. I saw a mindfulness coach for a few years, accepting, um, like I've accepted my bipolar brain, my trauma brain, uh, cause I have a trauma brain too. Like it's complicated, but I've accepted that about myself. Um, the flaws and the good acceptance commitment therapy has been great. A lot of times you'll see it, you know, abbreviated ACT. Um, and then there's so many treatment modalities out there to help with depression. So there's, um, you can get through it. You know, I just think about the people with the suicidal ideations and that's part of the reason I'm here too, is because I've been suicidal. Um, definitely two times. I could argue three times um, in my life, like seriously suicidal. So yeah. Well, I'm certainly glad that you were not successful with that. All right. Now, you and I both deal with disabilities on an ongoing basis where we both stick our noses in businesses and the like, trying to make sure things get better for others with disabilities. You handle things a lot different than I do. Do you remember what we talked about the other day where you said, well, here's what I did. Give me a, draw a, a, a debate between my laid back style that I don't really push, you know, compliance, even lawsuits, like well, you speak up. You speak up when, when you too. So, since the Americans Americans with Disabilities Act is 33 years old, um, and it's a civil rights law, right? I um, really have zero to low, very low tolerance for ADA violations in the United States. Um, there are exceptions, you know, the mom and pop. Um, business that's in a 200 year old building that is tiny and there's no place for an elevator and it would cost 80 grand to do it. That sort of thing. Uh, you know, I would never, I would never even really say anything. Uh, if I wanted a bottle of wine at the top of that, but you know, the business at the top of the steps or something, I just send somebody up there. Um, but you see countless businesses with one step or two steps and plenty of room on the sidewalk to ramp it. Those are the ones I'll reach out they won't do it. They just think I'm going to go away. Big mistake. Um, Cause if they just do it, they'd save lawyer fees, right? Just follow the federal law that's been around 33 years. So then I will file an ADA suit. I've done it dozens of times, maybe a hundred, I don't know, lost track. Um, and then what happens is it's settled out of court because their lawyer will say, she's right. You have to do it. That's how that works. So they have to pay my lawyer fees and then their lawyer fees and not, I get no money, nor do I want any money. It's not what this is about. And uh, they have to fix the violations. At that point, they have to fix all the violations. So, you know, they're just better off if I pull out, if I say, hey, ramp, and don't mention anything about the bathroom not having everything perfect, then they end up having to fix everything at that time. It's I feel like it's the right thing to do. Um, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, the, the things people went through to get the ADA passed, to get the Air Carrier Access Act passed, to get the rehab 
the Section 504 uh, guidelines signed in 1977, took years to get that done, and, and chaining themselves to bus, buses and those ADAPT actions in the 80s to get uh, the buses accessible, all those things. All I have to do is call my lawyer. His number's on my phone. That's all I have to do because of those people passing those laws. So I owe it to future generations to say, hey, uh, follow the law. I owe it. And it's it's probably if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, um, it's and, you know, passed away. It's probably the most important thing I've done in my life as far as long term change. Do you have an ADA lawyer? Uh-huh. I mean, he specializes in ADA stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do have an ADA coordinator certification, so I know how to pick out sure wins. So some people. Yeah. They don't know when they'll be like, let's say there's five steps and no room on the sidewalk. And the building was built before January 26th of 1992 and hasn't been renovated. So I kind of know the rules. So, you, and so my lawyer knows I know the rules and, you know, I can just send him three businesses in a city. By the way, my last 10 or 12 businesses that uh, unfortunately had to sue, um, they were in hundred year old buildings. Because there's that big myth that, you know, that businesses are grandfathered and that's just not the case. So um, it, it, it depends on the situation. It really does. But like I said, I know how to pick out the sure wins and it costs me nothing because the attorney knows this is a sure win. They're going to get their money from the violator. Does, I mean, would I have an ADA lawyer here in Lynchburg or would I have to go no. to? Richmond or someplace. They're they're rare. They're very rare. Actually, when I lived in Richmond, I had, I don't know, 20 suits, 15, 20. I lived in Richmond for two years. My husband was stationed there and I used a lawyer out of, oh my goodness, I, Maryland. He wasn't in Virginia. He wasn't in Virginia. And, and the one I use now, um, which I haven't dealt, had any of these in two years, but um, he is in Alabama and he's great. And he just finds counsel, local counsel to, to help with it and works it all out. Okay. Now, getting back to the subject at hand. As a matter of fact, no. I'm going to do that in just a second. I've got to stop for a quick break from one of our network sponsors. Be back in just a second. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. All right, back with Kelly Narosky talking about mental health issues and lots of other things. We Let's go back now to the uh, interim period when Kelly is out there 
banging the ADA and looking for uh, all kinds of things to improve the world. Were you also thinking in terms of the mental disabilities at that time? I mean, I not realize you personally had the issues, but as far as at being a disability that may also fall into the whole trying to make the world a better place scenario. No, actually, that's a new thing. That's a new thing for me. It's brand new. I'm now. Uh, so one of the things that um, helps fight stigma is talking about it. And that's why I'm talking about it. Uh, because when people have less societal and internalized stigma, um, they're more likely to work, they're less depressed, and they are less likely, the research shows, to commit suicide. So it's very important to talk about the stigma, to educate. Um, so that's a new thing. No, didn't think about that stuff when I file a DOT complaint against an airline uh, because they do their they, you know, they discriminate too. Um, you have to go different routes depending on the law that's uh, violated, right? We have like 10 or 12 disability rights laws. So anyway, no, I hadn't thought about this psychiatric disabilities, but here's the thing. So the person in charge of uh, the master's program at CUNY, where I got my master's in disability studies, she's the head honcho. And she said, out of all types of disabilities, there's learning disabilities, sensory, cognitive, mobility related, um, and more. Out of all of them, psychiatric disabilities are the most stigmatized in uh, society. And I agree with her. I do agree with her. I've done a lot of um, projects in my recent you know, psychology education. And I absolutely agree with that. And if they're uh, one out of four is going to have some type of a mental disability or emotional disability sometime in their life. So like yeah. you had the depression short, for a short period of time. So it doesn't mean one in four at this given time. Right. How, however, according to the CDC, um, for anybody that's not watching, that's not from the U S that's the U S um, centers for D disease control and prevention, a federal entity. Uh, one in four Americans has a disability right now. And that's when we're talking about, all of them, all disability. low vision, you know, rheumatoid arthritis. And it's complicated because the, the um, definition is dis of disability is different. For instance, I'm not legally disabled under a social security uh, administration because I can work and I do and earn enough money that there's no way they'd give me a disability check. Um, now, I suppose I could be shady and go get the doctor to write, oh, her back hurts and she has all these problems and, you know, but I don't. Um, but I'm legally disabled under the Americans with Disabilities Act. But approximately 80%, this is a good source, it comes from a good source, around 80% of people that are considered to have a disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act don't identify as disabled. And that's because of the shame and the stigma. Nobody's going to call themselves, you know, disabled. Um, they just don't identify, which is interesting. So... Do you stay away from the H word? Yes. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I find it's that. Archaic. Uh, it's archaic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what's your best advice to 
someone that's struggling, someone that's having some issues? First of all, like probably the most important thing I've learned is wait it out. If you can just wait it out and I'm not saying don't get help. I'm like just saying, don't do anything rash. Don't hurt yourself. Um, time, it will get better in time. It's a chapter. It's a chapter. And with proper treatment, everything can be better. Everything can be normal. You can be flying around the world and working two jobs and, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, and so it's all about reaching out for help and rejecting the stigma. I hid my condition for decades because of the stigma. And, um, you know, it may mean seeing a therapist and it may mean, like I said before, you're doing some work on yourself, even just watching YouTube videos like Heidi Preeb. I love her last name, P-R-I-E-B-E. Um, I watch her videos because they're, she's fascinating. It's all well-being and self-improvement, attachment theory. And you know, she has a background in psychology. Anyway, even watching YouTube videos helps. I watched one on not taking things personally recently. So helpful. And then one on how to love yourself, like self-love stuff. Sounds vague and like, you know, not that helpful, but it's super helpful because she gets you dives deep. Anyway, watching YouTube videos, um, that's obviously not going to help when you have a neurobiological issue. Um, but you gotta, you gotta take your pills. It's just gotta take your pills if you need them. Um, yeah, that would be primary advice. And, and don't be, just don't be scared to reach out to your support system, your loved ones. Um, yeah. I've, I've wondered at times, you know, we've had numerous man overboard situations on cruise ships. Seems like you know, there's one every couple weeks anymore. I'm wondering how much of those kind of things are strictly from mental health issues that I didn't know that was common. Um, yeah, I would assume. I mean, I had no idea. I if I, if it happened when I was on a ship, I would assume maybe they were playing around too close and fell, or yeah, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Um, yeah, I don't know what what percentage that would be something to maybe look into. Might be hard information to find though. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there's anything when I'm on a cruise ship. Huh. I mean, I, I guess I need to be aware of this. I mean, I'm aware of it with people around me, especially on some of these hosted cruises mm -hmm. where, you know, I might be with somebody that's solo for the first time that can that can lead to a, a, a bit of depression until they understand that oh my god this is better than whatever was before you know, so. so life enhancing for some personality types the solo travel and yes these are invisible disabilities these are invisible unless you're running down the street barefoot to see on the gas station normally they're invisible well, at least she didn't run down the street barefoot naked. Now, that would have been, you know, a real thing. That would have been, my town has 70,000, my hometown has 70,000 people in it. That would have been on the freaking news. That would have, my parents would have been more. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, since I did marry a, a military leader, I did hide that. I hid it. I didn't tell a soul. 
I did not tell a soul about this. And there was no way I would have done an interview like this. Oh my goodness gracious. You couldn't have paid me 10 grand to do this. Uh, All right. So you're going to get called over to West Point or you're going to get called over to a, another military facility to have you speak like you've done hundreds of times before. Uh -huh. You're going to be in that military realm again. Do you add this into the repertoire? Did I tell you that West Point contacted me a couple of days ago and wants a three-year contract? Because I didn't. Anyway, I spoke there earlier this year, right. and I taught. They wanted safety and you know injury prevention and um, resilience. That's what I did. And I I said, can I touch a tiny bit on disability awareness at the end? Because they are going to work with people with the milder disabilities. In, in the army, they're not going to let you in if you have schizophrenia or something right. like that. So. Um, or quadriplegia, or, you know, you have to be able to go to combat. So, but they're going to be in charge of some GS civilians, maybe that use wheelchairs and things like that. So I touched on disability awareness a little bit at the end. Anyway, I think you're alluding to, am I going to talk about this stuff with those types of audiences in the future? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I did for the first time at West Point, it was 2,500 uh, cadets, this last one. I did tell him because I found out from the general right before the speech that somebody had suicidal ideations and no one told, no one spoke up because they were worried about him getting kicked out of West Point. And so I, I mean, here I am up there talking for all these people. And so they think I've got my act together. They think they have no idea that I've been a train wreck. That's probably, that's probably pejorative, but I'm calling myself that. Um, so I said, Hey, when I was doing the resilience portion. Yeah, I went to my therapist and I said, I got to finish this up. I got to finish this up by this date because that was my goal and blah, blah, blah. And my therapist said, what would it look like if we move the date? I'm like, no, that messes up my goal. And I, I was talking about flexibility. And anyway, I admitted to the entire audience that I see a therapist. And I'm like, yeah, I see a therapist. I needed help with something. And I admitted to the whole audience because I was letting them know it's okay to see a therapist. Yeah. You may look like you have your act together. But anyway, then in the next speeches, I'm not going to talk about that everywhere I go or anything, but when it's I, when it's relevant and I will talk to the boss of who's dealing with me, you know, about it before I bring it up. Um, but the younger generation, this is Gen Zers. And one of the great things about Gen Zers is they're super accepting of diversity of human right. variation and disability, not only being the largest minority is just, it's a natural part of the human condition. So they are actually going to be less judgmental. Um, 2000 of them in an audience, I think, I think based on just what I've seen, you know, with the spinal cord injury, their reactions um, versus um, a room full of Gen Xers, my generation or boomers or, you know, so stigma. Or old farts like me no oh, I didn't. Well, sure i mean i'm old enough to be your grandfather i really no i'm, I'm 75 i'm 50 you know you're old enough to be my dad yeah okay my dad's 71 okay so i'm old enough to be your dad all and right kelly in the world yeah in your message today and i can't tell you how thrilled i am that you did this on my show. Do you have any further message that you'd like to 
impart on us? There's just so many misconceptions surrounding these these psychiatric disabilities and what what a person can do is if they know someone suffering from let's say the most common um, mental health issue, which is depression, reach out to them, don't avoid them, invite them to things, even though you know they're not gonna go, you know they're probably not gonna go and let them know that you're there. Um, as far as bipolar disorder, there's a misconception that people with bipolar are more violent and competent. And the fact is uh, that this is not true somebody um, with bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, they're actually uh, um, more likely to be a victim of a violent crime than somebody um, in general population. So, you know, that's, I guess that's what I would share is, is have compassion because this is no different than, you know, having diabetes or cancer, epilepsy. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just natural. And it's just taking the medication, like taking medication for something that is wrong with your body instead of your brain. What's ahead for Kelly in the way of traveling? So I'm building a house so there won't be the constant traveling, but I'm going to Florida in about a month to see my dad and brother and my friend Corey will be down there at the same time. Corey Lee, Curb Free, Corey. Your listeners probably, a lot of them know who that is. Oh, yeah. He's a good friend of mine. So he'll be down there at the same time doing some work. Um, and then my next trip is probably not going to be till May. I'm going to Greece solo, meeting a group of his group over there. Um, oh, so you're going with Corey's group. That's cool. I'm meeting Corey's group over there. Yeah. He's got six of them and it's all booked through um, Wheel of the World, which yep. no I'm not getting paid to say well. that. I'm not getting paid to say that. They're, I, um, I don't get paid to say it either. They're great. And I promote Wheel of the World a lot. This is my third um, trip with them, and they're phenomenal. And it'll be my third solo trip with them. I trust them enough that I go solo, and I'm, I don't have to worry about the bathrooms being non accessible and all that. So right. um, Curb Free with Corey Lee, I love him. And then Wheel of the World, love them. Yeah. Kelly, bless you. And thank you so much for this morning. Thanks for this having has me. Been just awesome. Thank you so much. And anytime you want to come back, you just you say you want to just do something. Let me know. I'll do this anytime you want. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Kelly Narosky, thank you so much for being on the Travel and Cruise Industry News podcast. That's a, that name has changed since you were here last. Yes, so, it has. All right. Kelly, thank you so much. You. I'm going to get on to the news. So we'll okay. see you soon. Okay. Love you. Thank you. Love you. All right. That's Kelly Narosky. Wow. I don't know if any of the rest of you enjoyed that as much as I did, but that was just awesome, folks. Just awesome. All right. Real quickly, guys, we're going to go over a couple things in the news. Uh, one, we got to look quickly at the weather. If I can get everything pulled up here as we're taking a quick change in, uh, in direction. All right. In the Atlantic, the center of Felipe will pass near the northern Leeward Islands later today. 
could bring heavy rains and flooding to portion of the Leland Islands. It's located about 125 miles east-southeast of Barbuda. Maximum sustained winds are currently 50 miles an hour. It's moving to the northwest at 7. Pressures drop down to 998. Little change in strength is forecast during the next day or so, but Felipe could begin to intensify more significantly around the middle of the week after a northward turn tomorrow or Wednesday. So it's supposed to turn that we've been expecting the last several days, folks. I mean, if it doesn't turn, then it's going to come on into the rest of the islands. But it's supposed to move away, we hope. All right, now, Rena, on the other hand, has turned into a remnant low. It's going to be gone probably by the end of the day today. It's located about 750 miles northeast of the northern Leeward Islands. Uh, winds have dropped down to about 30. It's moving north at 13 miles an hour. So it's speeding along pretty well. Uh, pressure is up to 1,010. This one's done. That's going to be completely off the radar very shortly. Now, in the Pacific, uh, we haven't had anything for a couple days, but we've got a new one that's popped up. Shower and thunderstorm activities have become more concentrated in association with a developing area of low pressure located 700 miles south of the southern and southwestern coast of Mexico. Environmental conditions appear conducive for additional development, and a tropical depression is expected to form the next day or so, and possibly worse as we move on through the week. Uh, it's going to move west-northwestward to northwestward about 10 miles an hour, they're talking about 80% over the next uh, 48 hours, 90% over the next seven days. This could turn into another Pacific uh, hurricane, and we're just going to have to see how far west it moves uh, and how far north it moves. So we're just going to have to watch that. All right. The first story this morning, and again, folks, because I knew that uh, Kelly and I were going to go a little longer than normal, the news stories today are somewhat shortened just to cover the main highlights. Uh, two cruise ships were delayed over the weekend after flash flooding in New York City. The Colonel Venezia and Queen Mary II spent a little extra time in port waiting for guests that were delayed on flights and stuck at the airport because of flash flooding. Uh, Liberty of the Seas had to change its itinerary, sailed from Bayonne on Saturday. It was supposed to go to Bermuda, but because of the uh, forecast weather, uh, it sailed to St. John, New Brunswick instead. So uh, people that were counting on going to Bermuda ended up in Canada. Uh, so, and it was because of poor weather. Other ships did go on to Bermuda. Uh, Sylvia, my, my buddy, is on Mariner of the Seas that was there this weekend. It was windy. It was rough. But they still made it uh, to uh, to uh, Bermuda. 
All right. I believe it ate uh, another picture. It certainly did, so we're going to have to talk our way through this one. The port of Reykjavik uh, has a new 53,000-square-foot terminal spanning two floors. It's set to open in the port of Reykjavik in 2025 with full functionality expected by 2026. Of course, it is under construction as we speak. The next story is Italian Coast Guard this weekend uh, conducted a successful rescue operation, saving a total of 177 people, 150 passengers, 27 crew from a commuter ferry boat that suffered a fire while en route from Lampedusa Island to Ponto Empedoclea. Empedoclea. I probably screwed those names up. Um, and I'm sure Dennis will give me a hard time for that one. Okay. Iceland has taken a significant step toward preserving the natural beauty by welcoming cruise ships and connecting them to shore power. And once again, this thing has managed to eat the new shore power in uh, uh, Reykjavik. There we go. So I'm going to go ahead and load that up because it is worth. That's the Italian ship. All right. There's the shore power in Reykjavik. Brand new. uh, Is now accepting customers uh, regularly. That obviously is going to help with their uh, pollution from the cruise ships when they land in Reykjavik. Next story comes out of Royal Caribbean. The uh, Diamond Lounge on Royal Caribbean ships. They're changing the name, folks. It's now going to be known as the Crown Lounge on all of their ships. I'm not sure why. Some of them were Diamond Lounge. Some of them were Crown. Uh, They're making them all Crown. So that was announced yesterday by Royal Caribbean. The Enchanted uh, Princess cruise ship was delayed about 10 hours in Barcelona. The ship sailed and uh, there should be very little change in planned itinerary. This was due to uh, Azipod issues. They had mechanical issues that affected their speed. They were able to work on the Azipods in Barcelona and after a 10-hour delay got on their way. And finally today, folks, Holland America, this, of course, is the Zyder Dam, which is still one of my favorite two or three ships. I loved this ship when I was on her. Holland America is more than halfway through updating Internet to uh, SpaceX 
Starlink across its fleet of 11 ships. The first ship to receive this uh, next generation technology was the Koenigsdam. Now, Oosterdam, Bolandam, Westerdam, Zandam, and Zyderdam all have the high-speed internet on board. Too bad the one that I was on recently, the Nordam, didn't have it. So, all right, let's jump over real quick to see if there's anything major in the chat room. See who's with us today. Uh, Ken is here. Yeah, Kelly was lost at first. Uh, hot air. Tom's with us. Uh, coming today from Rocky Mount, Virginia, near Smith Mountain Lake. Not from the home of our fearless leader. Yeah, your fearless leader enjoyed uh, hot air. Tom and Cindy meeting. Now, here's the problem, folks, and I didn't get to say this today because I didn't want to throw this in when Kelly was here. But Hot Air Tom, you know, coming back from uh, wherever the hell he was in Pennsylvania, bought a dozen donuts to bring them home to Cindy. He got down to about 95 and were going around D.C., so he was this D.C. to Richmond, uh, you know, home. And he claimed that he had eaten three. Now, if you have a dozen donuts and you eat three, uh, that means that you should have nine left for Cindy. He got there and Cindy had three donuts. The donut caper from Hot Air Tom. Joanne's here. Good morning, Joanne. Cindy's with us. Katie's here. Dennis is with us. Hi, Dennis. Emily's with us. Steve's here from Kentucky. Kenneth says good morning to everybody. Everybody's speaking back and forth. That's fine. Uh, uh, we are back to being about New York's back to being warm again. Yeah. Did you see where the, the, you know, they had that drastic hot spell coming across the middle part of the country. that's now going to hit New York and New England, you know, have midsummer weather again up there for a few days. It's not going to be that hot here, but it's going to be obviously warmer than it's, you know, it's been. Um, Emily says, my sister's baby will be here very soon. She went to the docks today. The baby is supposed to be born tomorrow on my mom's birthday. We shall see. Very nice. Hot air. Yes, we are dry. I just started uh, washing the towels last night. Still have two loads to go. Uh, I wish new RO would do something about the middle of the of four crossroads so that does not rise into a small pond oh okay you got some issues there with uh, flooding uh, <laughs> Dennis says I hope she has some help with overnight feelings so she can sleep uh, Emily says our sump pump kept working so yeah they got the water out of the house I wonder if McGuire Woods here in Richmond 
as an ADA lawyer. You know, I've I've got to do some research on that uh, hot air because uh, that I don't know, and I suppose that's a, a Google item I can do uh, to find ADA lawyers. I mean, she she lives in Kansas and uses one in Alabama, so there can't be many. Yo, yo, Eddie's in the house. Hi, Eddie. Good to have you with us. Brooklyn in the house. Joanne says she's amazing. Katie says she's very amazing. I I thought so, too. Mike's with us. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Great speaker. Fabulous advocate for mental health awareness. Agreed. She's very good. Thank you, Kelly, for bringing awareness. I hope you can visit Disney World. You know, I don't recall if she has spoken at Disney World or not. I know uh, Christy has done several things at Disney World. I know Sylvia has done several things at Disney World. I'll have to ask Kelly if she's if she's ever done anything at Disney World. I that I don't know. Hot Air says, great interview. Thank you, Hot Air Tom. She's so lovely, inspiring. Thank you, uh, Dennis. I thought so, too. And for somebody to, I mean, yeah, she speaks all the time. But nobody ever knew about this, her own mental condition, her own mental uh, awareness uh, that, that she's been battling all her life. Uh, that's incredible. <clears throat> so I feel uh, very honored that she, um, you know, made people aware of that on our show. That's that's terrific. Uh, I have friends on the Enchanted Princess was wondering what delayed them. By the way, the couple is the most traveled passengers on the current cruise, 1,200 days. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I'm, tomorrow's folks, I'm going to have a story about some folks that have done 52 cruises back to back. You know, so uh, it's an it's a very interesting. Uh, it's actually a, a video. They're Australian, uh, but it's it's well worth. I don't know. It's three or four minutes long. It's well worth uh, doing. I'll have that on the show tomorrow. Uh, Crown Lounge, I think, because loyalty program is Crown and Anchor. Well, that's, you know, I thought about that, too, but they're, they're doing, just doing uh, Crown. So, I don't know. La Pedusa. La, La Pedusa. Lom, Lom, Long Pedusa. Long Pedusa. Um, pay do clay. Um, pay do clay. Um, pay do clay. Pronounced like aim. Aim, aim, pay do clay. Aim, pay do clay. Okay. Two new words for me in Italian, folks. Uh, that's, uh, I'll have to, I'll have, I'll copy those, Dennis, and put them in my, in my, uh, the dictionary. Hot Air Tom says, everyone is a liar. 
the donut story, Cindy lies to Chili. Chili changes Chili's lie. Me? You're the one that claimed to have nine donuts for Cindy, not me. I said all along that there's no way you're going to get on with nine donuts. <laughs> Amish pumpkin bread and pumpkin whoopie pies. They're delicious, too. <laughs> ah, we've had fun over the donuts. Disney does a fancy job with a fantastic job with accessibility and always willing to improve. Yeah, I have. Uh, uh, I've never spent any time. I, why did I not do that? I've never spent any time with. Uh, uh, at, at Disney places because I always go on cruises. Uh, but I have I've understood that they are most accessible. So um, I practice those Italian vows. Yes, I know. Wasn't the crown story for princes? The crown and anchor is Royal Caribbean. No, this is Royal Caribbean. They're changing the diamond lounge to the crown lounge. So, all right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. Goodness, I'm an hour and 10 minutes. That's extraordinarily long for me. But a special thanks to Kelly. My goodness, what a wonderful, wonderful job that was. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I will see everybody back here tomorrow. Same time, same channel. As always, guys, smash that thumbs up button. If you haven't subscribed, please consider doing so. Uh, hit the bell notification. I see you'll be notified when I go live or when a new video is up. Again, my special thanks to Kelly. What a fantastic job. I'll see everybody tomorrow. Same time, same channel, as always. Stay safe, stay healthy. Think about cruising. Hopefully one day soon we'll all get together on the high seas. Have a fabulous day, everybody. Later, y'all. I regularly post videos on all facets of the travel and cruise industry. So if you'd like to keep up with the latest in cruise ships, ports of call, cruises themselves, chilly chats, and travel and cruise industry news, just hit the little subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner. Hit the bell notification so you'll be notified when a new video is up or we go live. This video was produced by Chili's Cruises. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply.
LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.